0: We're here again with uh, Peter Cruz of New World Wines. Um, We met a while ago to talk about um, wines and bringing them into a structured environment, like uh, a liquor board. We talked a little bit about um, his portfolio, and we talked about how old world is new world, and new world is old world, and how those um, crossing... Paths uh, continue to happen because of the kind of quality uh, wine processes and uh, quality assurances we want from those small boutique wines. So, Peter, let's talk a little bit about value uh, and what you would consider value in a wine. Um, and let's talk monetarily first. Obviously, it's it's about dollars and cents, and so you you buy a. A fifty-dollar bottle of wine, and you think that the value is uh, eighty dollars. What 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 makes you say or think that that's? Uh,
1: that is that, a very good question. I, I think a lot of that goes to uh, winemaker, um, their the winery, uh, what they already charge, and and I think we're seeing uh, an economy now where. Um, a lot of wine prices are going up especially from the US as people are score driven um, it's certain in certain wineries it adds it it creates them to put more value on their wines and, and i and that's been a very difficult thing to see wines that were uh, the same quality that were $50 are now 80 90 because they were getting scores by uh, whether it be the wine spectator or Parker or um, the enthusiast um, and Steve Tanzer would be the four guys that I look at, uh, at the most, they, they created, um, this, this ability for people to say, well, my wine got 95 points. It's now it's no longer a $35 wine. It's now a, a $60 wine. And we've seen that with wines like the prisoner, just I bring the prisoner in. And, and I thought when the prisoner first came out, I thought it was incredibly great wine for the price. Uh, I missed it by about two weeks. But anyway, <laughs> the, the point is that I'm now seeing these prices rise up. And I think sometimes it's worthy and sometimes it's not. Um, if you as a vineyard gets older and the fruit gets better and gets more depth to it, uh, I can see the value going up. Uh, but I just think that a lot of new young wineries are coming out with very high prices Uh, giving themselves a a lot of praise and I I think part of this is that land costs a lot of money now and I'm specifically talking about the Okanagan. I think that the Okanagan is being pushed uh, by land prices. Uh, Oak barrels cost so much they're a thousand U.S. a barrel so people are are Starting out, they're coming out of the gate with very young vines and very expensive wine, and I, and I, I see that as a troubled uh, beginning. Uh, I think people should be humble and start their pricing lower uh, and let the value uh, come as they get more, it'd be like getting more experience. The more you have product out in the market and the more shows you're at and the more people get to taste it, I think you can create... Um, better pricing
0: Sorry about that.
1: So I, I, what I was trying to say with I think a lot of the new BC wines and I've tasted some and they're really good. I just I just think that coming out of the gate at, at really high price. I know there's a demand for it and and I think the average consumer uh doesn't want to pay that right off the bat. So that being said, when we when I talk about value of wines, when I go and I go to my winery and, and I taste a Pinot, let's say, in Oregon, and they say what price would work in your market, that's when I start talking about value of wine. And when I taste a wine, I go, like, that would normally be 35 or $40 in our market. And if you give it to me for X, I can get it at twenty seven, ninety nine, twenty eight dollars. To me that's great value because I'm I'm finding a wine that delivers what an expensive peanut would cost for half the price. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that those other wines are twice as good, but they are better because they have a lot more substance mm-hmm. to them. But I think for the average consumer uh, that looks at Pinot Noir from Oregon in the wine stores, they're going to go, oh my God, these wines are really expensive. And I think that scares people away. Um, and you have to look at value as something that it means something to you. And instead of, I look at it going, I'm going to find these wines. And if I can get these wines at $30 instead of being 50 then I think that's great value. And when I go to my wine shops, I go, this wine used to be, when it first came in, it was $60 and now it's 25 To me, that shows that the wineries are willing to work with me because they want their wines in this market, but they also want the consumer to buy them. And so value is, you know, money in, money out. It's, right. it's, it's, whatever you're taking out of your pockets, you want it. if you can go buy two bottles for the same price as one... I see that as great value.
0: And characteristics. So, you spoke briefly about like good Pinots or good wines having characteristics. Um, and you can say that those characteristics run true of um, other wines, and that's where the quality comes in because you get those characteristics from the fruit at a value price.
1: Yes. I, I mean, b- b- we know that you can buy a wine and it tastes good, but it does, it's really, we would call it more one-dimensional. Right. It, it it starts nice, but it doesn't really do much where these wines that we've been importing, you let it sit in your glass and, you know, 20 minutes later, the wine has changed. It's opened up a bit more air is, is causing this wine to be different. And those are the things that we look for. And, and as people are enjoying their meal, they're going, wow, this is really... Opening up, and I love that because it means that the wine has the ability to not just stay in its youthfulness. It can, it has some ability to show the terroir, the um, and the winemaker that knows how to blend a great, you know, cab, merlot, cab franc. If he can, if he can put a wine together that changes over your course of your meal, that to me is another great value. If if you're Spending two hundred dollars, you expect that to happen if you 're spending thirty you 're going that 's great that that happened right um, and we 're spoiled. We have so many wines in this market from all over the world, and everyone has the same passion as we do. I mean these agents are finding unique things, and we 're like where'd you get that you know we're we're we 're enemies, but we 're also friends because we 're trying to compete for the same uh, wine list and it's difficult when you see wines on a wine list and you know who the agent is and you're like, Oh, I should have, you know, been here, been here. And, but our job is to keep showing and trying to grow. And, and I think through, through these kind of podcasts, it might be a a new venue for us to, to uh, open up our, our portfolio to people, to have them try the wines, to see sort of, um, What uniqueness is out there coming from uh, a company that probably not a lot of people have heard of because we're not You know mainstream. I'm not on the back of a bus or anything yet. Well, even when I Google
0: uh, (laughs) Wine reps, uh, there's no new world wine that comes up. It's all the other Wine reps that come up. So
1: well, that's because I'm not really a wine rep. I'm more of a importer slash company owner, even though I don't my company is controlled by other identities Right. (laughs) Uh, we'll get into that some other day But uh, to go back to value I think it's always about what you perceive as value Um, and and there are people that have uh, they spend quite a bit of money on wine because they like name brands and I I find that pigeonholing yourself into um, and there's so many other wines from the same region from great winemakers um, buying the same fruit (laughs) that are a third the price and people i'd rather have that one and i I get it i understand how that happens but i think the the, my favorite thing to do is to go to parties and and just put wine on the table and let people pour it and then they go wow what you know tell me about it right and i think i wish i had That was close.
0: (laughs) Wow, there'll be some major editing happening here in the next little while.
1: But you know, we are, as I was saying, you know, it's up to you what what value you find in wine. I mean, if you like fifteen dollar wine, I always love my favorite tastings are when people go, "I hate something," and and then then that's usually the first wine I pour them. When they go, "I hate Merlot," and I so I pour them Merlot, and they go, "I really like that." What is it? And you say it's Merlot, and they're like. Damn, I and then they're mad at me, and then they go, "Well, how much is it?" That's usually the second question. And I go, well, it's eighty bucks." And they go, "Well, no wonder I like it." And see, they, you get caught. You get caught where they 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 believe that they don't like certain wines. I just think they've drank some bad wines, right. and there are bad wines. Don't get me wrong. Price price does mean something, right? Um, but going back to your value, it's it's hard to find. Cause most of the wines that I bring in, I bring in 14 cases or 28. So it's like, they're not, it's not like they're everywhere. So they're not mainstay wines. And your job is to go out and search those by going to small stores and, and getting to know the sommelier or the the trained person on the, who usually is a manager who runs the store. He's the one with the palate that tastes all the wines. Those are the people to talk to. They're the ones that understand value because they're tasting it because they're thinking about you. And funny thing is I'm thinking about you, but I'm thinking about you through them. I need to get from, I, even though I've been sold on the wine and now I have to sell it and it has to be resold again. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of processes here to get valued wines as you want to call them to people. Mm-hmm. It's not just a simple, I can come to your house and we can have 30 people over. Uh-huh. And they'd all love the wine, but the question is, will they go buy it? Yeah, yeah. By the case, and yeah. that's usually the problem. People yeah. go, I'd like a bottle or two. Right. And I, and I I wish I could open up my own store, mm-hmm. uh, which I would have done in the very beginning, but I'm not allowed. Mm-hmm. That's that, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I, I hear what you're saying because I think even you know in a previous podcast I talked a bit about a, a wine strategy and what that might actually look like. And I've talked to you about wine strategies, even from a value perspective, because basically you can buy a case of wine and not pay some of the top up.
1: Yes, if you buy it by the case. If you
0: buy it by the case. Yes. As opposed to individual.
1: Yes. And everything is available from the liquor board at what they call a hospitality price. Everyone is entitled to that. The government sets that price. Uh, wine shops have to buy it from the government at a wholesale so they have a, their margin on it, so the price goes up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is it is a bit um, perplexing for the average consumer. Mm-hmm. To, you know They look it up, they have those wine apps, and they go, it says it's $30, and there's nowhere in this city is it $30. And I've seen other ones that say that it's 60 and I go, that's funny because I'm... I'm selling it for 25, and it's about 32 mm-hmm. at the store. Mm-hmm. So, some of those apps are awesome. Some of them just lead people down a road of like that's way too expensive. Right,
0: but that that um, you know, done in a thoughtful kind of a way, you can buy some wine, valued wine, and maybe not pay as much as you think you'd have to if you bought it in case lots. In, in case lots.
1: Have friends, yeah, that you want to share it with. Yeah, like, like get four, four, three buddies. There's yeah. four of you. You get three bottles each. Yeah, and it's not that huge of an investment. No, but I, I think you get much better pricing. Uh, it's because it's been we've been, that's just the system we're in, and everyone is in the same boat. We mm. can't change it. There's no way around it. Forget Alberta. It's not. It's, gosh, it's too much in shipping. Yeah. <laughs> but. A lot of people go to Alberta because they think it's cheaper, and I think there's better value here in BC. Uh, I think there's and to go back to value, I think there's some incredible BC wines that are a great value for the money. Um, and I think.
0: Um, Do you have a couple that you can? Well,
1: I right now I represent Airleaf sellers here in in uh, the mainland, and I think for for the value for their for their wines, uh, they always consistently shine they're clean wonderful wines made with uh, under twenty bucks I, I don't you know i i i've been selling them for 15 years and the the consistency has been there from day one and the they keep winning tons of awards they're an amazing family um and we have another one crow's nest out of the similkman valley that uh is starting to show some really great promise um, and I'd love to have a lot of BC wines, but I think I'd be competing with myself. Right. So I'm doing, you know, Winfield or Lake Country is one region with Leaf and some milk in with uh crow's nest to have uh, just different taste profile. And I think that those two for me under $20 wines, that that's great value and BC, I think we all think BC first, which is wonderful uh and then when you start enjoying those wines then you start looking at uh, other value out of you know oregon washington and california california is the the toughest one to find really because of my portfolio itself because uh, i'm more in the the high-end boutique things uh, in california
0: well there's lots of as you know and i know from our trips down there there's lots of uh, boutique wineries Harlan, screaming eagle yeah, You can name a thousand more that are all, you know, 800 a $1,000 a bottle. And is it worth it? And, well, again, you know, let's talk about value. Is, yeah. Are you getting value for that? Well, I... For I, some people, they are. Well, I would argue that and yeah. say that I could probably open up two bottles of wine side-by-side side blind, and one of them would be those wines, and I could probably find a 50 or or $100 bottle of wine from that region that would... Give, would compete. Give that wine a run for its money. Yeah. No,
1: I, I would, I because there's
0: so many of those little wineries down there. I would
1: totally agree. The, 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 you know, you can go all around Napa itself and you'll find mm-hmm. great value. I just think that land is very expensive. Again, we're going back to trying to make a wine at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. You'll find a lot of California wines because they're getting fruit from... Different regions, Paso Roble. Pase, Robles, uh, Mendocino, Mendocino. Um, you know, other areas, Sonoma, where land isn't as expensive, so it's, you know, it's $250,000 an acre to buy a piece of land in Napa. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you make a wine?
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's not not rocket science <laughs> no. that uh, <laughs> no, it's... If, if you can get so much fruit off of that acre, it, it's all relative to the cost that you put into that yeah, acre, tons, right? tons acre, so five tons 250,000 You're not getting much fruit. and You're no, paying a lot more you than you would. about
1: 300 a bottle right there. Yeah, so
0: <laughs> You know um, if if that's what it is to break even then you, yeah, you got to raise the price to make some money and again Wine or farming is about making money too because we we need to understand that These guys are hard-working farmers that's that's a lot of work, you know, planting, irrigating, pruning. And then
1: hoping Mother Nature doesn't let you down.
0: You know, along the way during those yeah. clinical and, and serious seasonal uh, things that happen, right?
1: And that and they go to value when you, when you mention you know, Napa. That, let's go to some place like Argentina or Chile, where the land is not nearly as expensive, but they have the same kind of growing conditions, mm-hmm. same with, with Portugal and Spain um there's a lot of you know areas that are emerging that are not typically known as wine regions but they're making some great wines and we're seeing lots come into this market
0: that's cool so we talked a little bit about your portfolio but now we're going to ask you to personally highlight and i know that they're all great wines for you because you've spent that time but if you had to pick um uh, without being um you know, focus <laughs> three or four wines that you would want to highlight. Which which would be the wines that you would uh, want out to
1: highlight? Out of California, um, I would start with um, I think Barnett Vineyards. Uh, Fiona Barnett being from North Vancouver and their winemaker David Tate from the Naimo. I I love the connection that I have uh, with British Columbia. Um, her uh, Fiona's brother is actually a friend of mine that. We didn't figure it out until he was wearing a Barnett cap once, and I'm like, "I because his last name is Hutchinson, so I didn't see the the, the, The connection, connection. and then it was kind of funny. But I've been selling their wines for at least 15 years, and I love the family, love where they are, and they're on Spring Mountain, and they're old school. It's just a beautiful house on the top of a hill with a winery built in at 2,000 feet of elevation. Um, And then I go... When I send people to Napa, I send them to Barnett and I send them to Dariush. And Dariush is, is the polar opposite. It is what hard work can do uh, over many years. Dariush Khalidi built this beautiful uh, winery. It looks like a Persian palace. Uh, and he came to America with nothing and built himself into a multi-multi-millionaire. And, but very humble man. So I send you to two contrasts. One is over the top, and the wines are wonderful, and and de Barnett where it's casual and really laid back but just beautiful wines as well. Uh, I think if I go to Sonoma, I would do, my Kistler and my Flowers would be my two uh, out of Sonoma. I think I'm very lucky to have those two incredible wineries. Kistler is um, known in America as one of the Greatest Chardonnays and Pinot makers in in America. There's other guys that are coming up that have uh, knocked at the door, but I think consistency wise, they're always there. And Flowers is um, making incredible wines at, at really good pricing in our market, so, mm-hmm. and the liquor board carries them, and I'm I'm, I'm happy about mm-hmm. that too.
0: Let's let's talk about Washington State because it's so close. Um,
1: yeah, Washington is um, was the one that really I thought would take off for me in the beginning but I, I realizing that i'm so close it's it's our neighbor so close that we have so many uh seattle lights coming up and they see the pricing because of our our uh, taxation that they get a little upset so finding great value out of washington now that being said uh, i i'm very lucky to have uh wineries like delille and betts um and and now i have a uh, Andrew Will, which I think is a real coup, is a really culty little uh, incredible winemaker. Sheridan is another one that has always been uh, extremely popular with my people that love my portfolio. And now Basil Sellers is um, really showing promise with uh, coming into this market with great pricing for really good wines. Um, and I have others, but I think that those. Those are the ones that stand out. Uh, I think they all deliver um, uniqueness. Um, and I'll throw one last one: Page Page Sellers. His he, I bring in a cab from him from Red Mountain. That uh, he's a pilot from Winnipeg, and he just has a love for wine. And um, I get back vintages from him, so it's wonderful getting older wine that's already lost some of that super grippy tannin for uh, an area called Red Mountain, which is. Big and powerful. Big. Lots of great
0: uh, little wineries from that. Yeah, there's a
1: thousand wineries in Washington. So having a a top four or five is is really Mm -hmm. nice to have in your book. And Oregon, um, the new one, David Hill and Shanann and Lakini would be the three that come to my mind. Mm -hmm.
0: Is there an old world wine that you're um, excited to bring and try and Uh, have?
1: uh, My... um, my Juliette Virel, uh, which is my Chardonnay, uh, I'm starting to show, and and I love going to the French restaurants and big New World wines, and showing them old that I have old world and that, that I'm bringing great value. White Chardonnay to pop, and their red Chardonnay are, are incredibly uh, well received wines, doing really well. And then from there, the Cote de Rhone, because I think. Being so close, it's like throwing a frisbee, and you can yeah. be, we can go from Chardonnay to Cote de uh, Winemakers that grew up making Chardonnay understand Cote They understand their Terroir. Uh, little towns of like Seguret and uh, Valclus. Uh, you have uh, incredible farmers. I mean, these people are true land lovers. I mean, and, the, and you taste it in their wine. They do all the work in the vineyard. And they say you just take it all in and plop the grapes, and you know it makes itself because they do all the work out in the vineyard and, and love that um because I think uh great wine starts it in the vineyard and, absolutely yeah, and these guys um in, in two champagne houses uh Valeroux has done very well for me uh and a new champagne house, but we'll talk about that once this gets here. I don't want to. Okay. I don't want to spoil it. Until no, don't. Don't. We'll taste it one day. We'll taste it one day. And, we'll we'll, the we'll one day. and then, then in New Zealand, I think New Zealand is wonderful. I have uh, two paddocks: the, the actor Sam Neill's winery and uh, Paddy Borthwick, Are my two that? Um, and, and forest wine. So those are the three in New Zealand. They're all outstanding, all different regions, but all different, unique, wonderful wines: Central Otago and then North Island with Paddy Borthwick. And I think that pretty much highlighted my whole portfolio because I didn't want to cut anybody out because they're all my favorites. So. Well,
0: and you... Um, we were fortunate enough, or I was fortunate enough, to come over to your house one night and meet the winemaker at uh, Casa Sola.
1: Casa Sola, yes.
0: And uh, got to share the Chianti and the uh, Super Tuscan that he made uh, fabulous wines, too.
1: Yeah, and, and we have... Uh... We'll do a we'll do a segment on Italy. Yeah. We'll just sit down, we'll do uh um uh Angelo is our new uh is new Italian guy in you know, Gaiola area and it's like thousand year old building that he's in and it's just you know I love the Italians, the passion they have and and driving around Tuscany, every corner is like you're in a whole new country. It's it's the most incredible thing. And um, I, I have to go back. Yeah, <laughs> really soon. There's lots of uh, there's lots of little gems little hidden gems. in Italy, yeah. all over the place. All over. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Peter, and uh, this is uh, Claudio signing off for Wine Chatter. Remember, wine pairing and wine sharing. Bye for now. This wine site, Wine Shatter, is about the relationships that people make when they sit over the table with a bottle of wine and a meal. And the beauty of that is that you build relationships from the conversation that you have when you're having a wonderful meal with a bottle of wine. And putting those two things together, the wine and the food, is the ultimate relationship that you could share with a friend, with family, with a stranger. Stay tuned for more info and updates about wine pairings and wine sharing on Wine Chatter. Thanks for listening.